Amen. Can you hear me? Yeah, good. I'm gonna, I might get hot, so I'm going to have to... Well, I can't take it off because it's, it's, it's covering me. Uh, I'm going to move this more towards the center, where I'm, where I'm used to working from. There we go. Very good. Um, are we ready up there? I've got the clicker. I don't see it here. Is it here? It's here, but not here. All right, there we go. Oh, man. Um, uh, thank you. Uh, I've been at High Point since uh, uh, 2006. Uh, uh, Peggy and a group of uh, ladies from High Point Church uh, welcomed us the very first Sunday that we came. And so my wife had uh, friends, sisters in Christ, uh, uh, from, it was probably April-ish in 2006 when we got here. Uh, from, that, from that time uh, forward, uh, we didn't visit many churches, maybe two or so, before we uh, decided to join at, at High Point. Um, you've been a, a blessing. Um, you've loved me and my family. Uh, we, Debbie and I, have, have loved you, will continue to love you going into the future. Um, not just the mushy kind of love where uh, you tell us everything is great, but where you actually refine us uh, with, with prayer and with um, encouragement to grow. And I've, I've gotten um, not only uh, folks who've come alongside to say things like, Lord, I'm excited about this, but I've gotten people come alongside to say, here's how you can do better. And we've needed, I've needed both. We've needed both. And so um, I'm really just overwhelmed. Um, They've got allowed me to serve here seven years, to be a a member here for 14 years, um, uh, to be on the elder board with Pastor Nick the whole time. He's been on the elder board. We've been on it together. So that'll be a big change for me. Uh, and made a little change for him. <laughs> um, but it's just been a great blessing. So thank you so much. Uh, and thanks for the Cubs gear. <laughs> um, we're going to, uh, this last sermon, uh, Second uh, Timothy 2, 1 through 7. Now, uh, you should know that um, there's only one book in the Bible these days, the last few years, that I actually read every quarter. Uh, every quarter, I read first. Uh, Timothy and 2 Timothy. Uh, that's because really every Christian, I think, and certainly every pastor uh, would like to consider themselves to be a child of, of Paul's. Uh, uh, we learn so much from his explanation of the gospel, him taking what Christ gave him and making it plain for the church showing us how to, how to lead effectively, how to be effective parents. He's, his, uh, his writings touch every aspect of our Christian life. And so, uh, and because I have, over the course of my life, struggled with fear and anxiety, uh, I have read his book to encourage me uh, uh, in the things that God has called me to do as a, a pastor and preacher. And so I thought it'd be appropriate 
for me to share with you some key things from 2 Timothy. Uh, we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Um, if you are here and you want to pull out your pew Bibles, you can turn to page 1811 in the, in the pew Bible. And we will read verses 1 through 7. Uh, Timothy, uh, Paul knows that his time is short. And so every word is especially chosen to be a blessing to Timothy. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Now reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Uh, one of the things about, about uh, Madison is that it is a center for uh, education with a world-class university and some great colleges like Edgewood, a great um, uh, junior college system in the MATC. It's a central for, uh, center for education it's a, a center for government being the state capital. It is a, a center for healthcare. Folks from all over the world come to, to work in Madison, doctors, nurses, administrators, and so forth, come to work in, in Madison. And it's a center for high tech. In fact, Debbie and I uh, live across the street from Epic. And uh, we tell the joke that when we first got here in 2006, they were building, and they haven't stopped building since, man. It's just a constant, ongoing building project uh, my route to home has been redirected many times by their expansion programs. I've been meaning to go to City Hall and complain that they stopped giving over more and more room to them. Actually, I don't, I don't believe that, actually. I'm a, I'm a big believer in commerce. Let them grow. Let them expand. Um, but Madison is a place that uh, attracts people the world over, China and India and Africa. And our ministry has been blessed with people from all over the world, Latin America, who've come here uh, to take advantage of those great opportunities. In fact, that's what brought us to Madison. Uh, I worked for American Family as an agent and a sales manager in Chicagoland, and I, I, for my career to grow, I needed to come through Madison. And so a commerce brought us to Madison. But Madison is the kind of place that bleeds people to come and also calls people back to go out back to their countries, back to other places for, for ministry. We've had roughly 20, 25 interns that have come and served at High Point, maybe a quarter, sometimes a year or more. And my, by estimate, I, haven't, I didn't track the numbers, but my guess is somewhere between 60 and 75% of them were just here for a spell. They didn't make Madison their home. They came, they worked here, went back to Chicago, went back to California, went went wherever God called them next. And uh, Nick, observing this and watching how in any given year about 10 or 15% of us uh, who join High Point will leave primarily because we're moving 
Um, Nick has said that he wants this, this place to be a teaching church. And I've been a benefit of that. Uh, yeah, you, you may have been in classes or sermons that I've taught, but I've uh, been, been taught by you in your classes, in your small groups, in your homes, right? I've been in these pews sitting down listening to Nick or listening to, to Greg or our many, uh, Kent or any of our elders pray and teach, listening, learning, growing here in Madison. So God has brought me here and now he's sending me out. So all Christians, my, my Angelou would says, need to have on our traveling shoes. I bet if I came back here in five years, there'd be about 30, 40% of you, would have, God would have moved on. And you'd be ministering vocationally and otherwise in other places. And so it's important for us to, to, to recognize that this isn't our home. We're here for a season. We've got an important work to do. Time is short. And we want to be prepared as we move forward. So as we, we go, I want to say, keep traveling in God's grace. This morning I want to talk about uh, three things that Paul imparts to Timothy and I would like to impart to you in terms of traveling in God's grace, walking worthy of our calling. Uh, uh, Paul uses all kinds of metaphors to talk about this notion of how we should conduct our lives during the brief time that we are here. And we want to focus on Christ and, and his kingdom. Um, he is our commanding officer, and we are in his spiritual army. We want to focus on Christ and his kingdom. We want to focus on God and obeying his commands. Uh, these are the, the athlete's rules, as it were. The word of God and his commands are the athlete's rules. So we want to focus on those. And we want to focus on God and his rewards. We are the farmer, the spiritual farmer, that is called to plant seeds. Of the things that were said by the, the folks who came and, and spoke words to bless me, what I'll take with me are the seeds of things that God gave me that I share with them that they'll take with them. I'm a farmer, you're a farmer. You're planting spiritual seeds. When you go to work, when you go to school with your children, you're planting these seeds and you're watering them that God would give an increase. And in that, in that, in the increase that comes is this, um, is the reward of, of seeing God work in your life. Man, I really pray that God worked in your life through my ministry and Deborah's ministry, because that was my intent that God would do what only he can do, grow you to become more like him through me as your brother, through my wife as your sister in Christ, that you would grow to become whom God had called you to be through this ministry. That's all of our calling, by the way. And so it's encouraging that, to know from you that our work has not been in vain. Focus on Christ and his kingdom. Focus on God and obeying his commands. Focus on God and his rewards. We will jump in. Focus on Christ and his kingdom. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That is to say, uh, Pastor Nick has talked about this a lot as we've been preaching in 2 Peter chapter 1, that everything, we have everything we need for life and godliness 
that starts with Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and our relationship to each other and these tremendous promises that He'll be with us all the way into eternal life, that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Amen. We have all of these, everything that we need. In order for us to be successful, we have a tremendous high calling in Christ to serve him. One of the things I appreciate, what I've learned from Kent is that he considers it a great privilege just to call on Jesus' name. How about you? That we, that we can call the God of the universe our Father, and that he hears every word that we say, and that he walks with us every step of the way in the foolishness that I've done over my years and in the times when I'm doing what I'm supposed to, to do. He sticks with me, doesn't cast me off. We have everything we need, come on, with, for life and godliness. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God for you guys. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. And we're in this business right now. One of the things that's heavy on the elders' hearts, Nick's heart, Mike's heart, is we know we got to reach more and more non-Christians in Madison for Jesus. And when God sends people to Madison who may be mature Christians or immature Christians, they actually need to grow under our stewardship, amen? And for that to happen, all of us have to hold ourselves accountable. We gotta ask ourselves questions like, who are we discipling right now? Who are you discipling right now? Who are the reliable women that you are blessing, in, pouring into their lives, that they would grow that others would come to Christ through their ministry. We need reliable people. We pass the gospel on to reliable people, and it's you and I working together, taking non-Christians and immature Christians that makes them reliable. Come on with me. If it weren't for pastors that had took me when I first thought I could preach and listened to horrible sermons and coached me and helped me with my marriage and my family, I would have still been weak and immature. But because they poured into my life, I could become a reliable witness. Come on. And so you need to begin prioritizing discipleship so that there'll be more and more people who will be coming reliable witnesses. Amen? In fact, that's primarily, your, if you're a parent, right? That's why it's such a, if you're a Christian parent and you recognize the responsibility God has given you to raise your children in godliness, right? That's why we, it's holy ground being a parent. Come on with me. Not to be taken lightly. Be taken seriously, soberly, gen, uh, uh, generously, gently, but also with conviction and love and so forth. So we're in this business of, of passing our faith on to reliable people. And it's up to you and I. God has given the world people like you and I to create these reliable witnesses. So join me in suffering like a good soldier because if you want to be a disciple maker, it costs you something. It costs you some money. It costs you a lot of time. It costs you being misunderstood being called narrow-minded and so forth, costs you some things, some suffering. 
Join me in suffering like a good soldier. Because no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. This morning, I want to talk about uh, uh, Paul because God has given him to us so that we could adopt a soldier's mindset. One of Paul's great qualities was his single-mindedness to devotion to Christ. So I'm going to talk briefly about two things. Where did this single-mindedness come from? How did, Christ, how did Paul articulate it? Where did this come from? It came from his really unique calling. You remember the Apostle Paul in the, in the, in the book of Acts, or maybe you're a non-Christian. You, you should um, find a Christian, have them walk you through how, how Paul came from being the biggest persecutor of Christians, chasing them around the world uh, in order to, to call them into jail and, and, and to put them in prison and so forth and put some to death and immediately turned around and became the, one of the most powerful preachers and one of the most great theologians Christianity has ever known. And it happened because God reached out to him on this road to Damascus, as he was going to persecute Christians, the, the Lord blinded him and spoke words that only he could hear, not his companions. And then in Damascus, he called out to a Christian named Ananias and said to him, there's a guy named Paul, and I want you to go lay your hands on him. He's blind. He can't see. I want you to lay hands on him and tell him that I've got a ministry for him. And this man was like, Lord, you got to be crazy. He didn't use those words. Those are mine. That's Lloyd Biddle's translation. He said, Lord, you're crazy. You don't know his man, his reputation. And here's what I'm going to say to you, and this is why we have Paul. And this is why we can't look down upon homeless people, uh, murderers, adulterers, uh, all of us have been some of these. I like Paul says this, and some of us were these things. But God, when he gets a hold of you, and when he turns your life around, man, he can do some powerful things in your life. So you've been called, you've been chosen to do some dynamic things. And so Paul knew, and he said, if this God would take me while I'm on my journey to murder and persecute Christians, and give me a ministry, I'm going to be wholehearted in that. Come on with me. And some of us were in this kind of way. Amen. I wasn't particularly, man, I shouldn't be pastoring and, and preaching by where I was born, or, or I didn't learn this from my, my father or any of that. It grace, complete grace. Come on. Some of us have a wonderful heritage of being raised by by godly fathers and so forth. My mom knew Jesus. I'm thankful for that. I'm here on her heritage, but she, fourth grade education. But God takes those of us who aren't and the humble, and he makes us into what he wants us to be. I hope you think about that when you think about Lloyd Biddle's ministry. Uh, poor, uh, a single mom, seven kids on the west side of Chicago, and I, he called me to Madison to pastor to you. Maybe you learn some things. God can do a tremendous thing. He can do a tremendous thing. It doesn't matter your, your current state or situation. He can turn that thing around. He's done it in my life. I'm a witness. He'll do that in yours. Has done it in yours. Come on with me. So he got this single-mindedness because he saw what a wreck he was. 
and how gracious God was to save him, and that's where his single-mindedness came from. He was overwhelmed. He was like Kent talking about what a great privilege it is to call on the Almighty God. This is how Paul went about his whole life in this kind of devotion. And how did he articulate it? He articulated it in this way. He said, everything else that I have accomplished, my heritage in Jerusalem, the fact that I am a Pharisee, well-educated theologian um, in the law, rubbish, rubbish for Jesus' sake. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider them for the sake of Christ. I consider them loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And so I was so encouraged to hear Michelle say that the song, uh, You Are My Strength, like no other, reaches to me. Come on. When you have that mindset that God is your everything, he's your strength, your power, your shield, then you can go forward. When, he, when Jesus is your everything, then you can leave things behind in order to follow him. So this was, Christ, this was Paul's mindset that we ought to have. And he gives us this metaphor of being a soldier like these two women. And I'm going to tell you something about my soldier's journey. When I was uh, pursuing uh, what I thought was going to be my life's work in business, to move up and up and even to become the CEO of American Family. Uh, and then I saw how God snuck in and called me to preach and then sent me to, to school at Wheaton College. And I got to a place of being pulled like this, trying to serve all these masters. I got to a place where God called me, Lord, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to choose whose priorities you're going to hold on to. And some of you have heard me say there was an opportunity for me to t move my family to St. Louis up and follow because a good buddy of mine was leading in St. Louis at American Family. And I, I, was, I was literally, on a strange face, I was in the toilet praying. Come on with me. <laughs> I was in Wadsworth, Wadsworth, Illinois, in the second story of my big house. And I was sitting there. I was like, Lord, you know, things aren't going for me great here in, Matt, in, 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 in Illinois, and my buddy has uh, been promoted. I, I went to college with him. You know, I could get really blessed with, with that, and we could, I could follow his coattails all the way to the top. And the Lord's like, uh, I didn't call you to that. I got work for you to do right where you are, struggling, with your income declining, and some uncertainty, and at a church that was growing and that, that needed me to minister to him. He said, Lord, I got more important things for you to do right here. So you don't chase dollars, you stick with me. And so I made a decision back then, I must have been in my mid-30s, that God was first and my business stuff was second. Uh, one of the reasons it has been relatively easy for me to leave a financially lucrative career in business and become an associate pastor was because I settled this in my 30s. that Christ would be my life, my life would be about him and his kingdom and not me and my kingdom. And maybe that's why he sent me to Wheaton College that has that motto, for Christ and his kingdom. And so you need to settle this. If you have not settled it, just because you're in the pews and you're a Christian doesn't mean you've settled this question. 
that God can call you where he wants you to call you. And, and uh, leave financial wealth behind. Now two times to be a pastor in God's kingdom. And it's so much now, it's happened to me, I don't even worry about it. God's so good to me. I've seen him bless me financially. Uh, when, when, I, he, when he chose to pay me a lot of money at AmFam and less money here and even less money when I go to River Valley, God's going to bless me. Don't worry about me. God's going to take care of me. He's good for it. And I want you to know he's good for it for you too. So don't make your career decisions solely based upon money. Come on now, if you're a husband, you got to take care of your kids. But I'm, and I got to take care of wifey still. Come on with me. I ain't crazy. <laughs> wifey, got, wifey is expensive. Come on with me now. She, I got I to gotta take care of her. <laughs> but God's first. And if he's calling you to do a thing, he's going to finance that thing. I've seen him do that here at High Point. That's why right now we're, our finances are better than even before. Come on with me. How could that be? That's got to be a miracle. How could the, the finances of the church be better under COVID-19, safer at home? Well, that must be God working in you. Come on. And so when I go into River Valley, make a left, I'm not even worried. Come on with me. He's good for it. What I'm going to worry about is loving the people. What I'm going to worry about is preaching the gospel. What I'm going to worry about is raising disciples. What I'm going to worry about is the non-Christians. What I'm going to worry about is building a multi-ethnic church. That's what I'm going to worry about. I'm not going to worry about those temporal things because, Nick, I, I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Come on, man. Thanks for your preaching. I heard you. I got, we have everything. We have everything we need in order to do what Christ has called you to. A new dad with a kid on the way. Focus on Jesus. I've been there. I've been in your shoes. Lord knows we've been in your shoes, wifey. We've been in those shoes, and God is taking care of us. So you are a soldier. Your priority is God. I'm over time. <laughs> so, so Nicole gave me the okay to keep preaching. Come on. <laughs> keep traveling in God's grace. Keep, keep on with Christ and his grace. Second, focus on Christ and obeying his commands. Those are the athlete's rules. When we don't do that, we disqualify ourselves. 2 Timothy 2 and 5. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. I like Joshua 1, 7, and 8. These are my life verses. Partly because I have to deal with fear, anxiety. It's almost like that was a natural product of me growing up where I did with certain insecurities. So these verses of security are my, my, the, my anchors. Uh, Joshua 1, 7 and 8, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. I'm, not, I'm going to Aurora to succeed in Jesus Christ. I pray that when I stand before Christ's seat, he, he will tell me that I succeeded in the mission that he gave me here at High Point. I just want to be successful right where I am. I want to be successful in my 31-year-old marriage. I do not take it for granted. I, I'm finding that raising adult kids is harder than when they were in my house. 
I want to be successful in raising my adult kids and releasing them to Jesus. Come on with me. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is in it, written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. There's so many different verses that talks about this. Paul told Timothy, listen, that you've got everything. All scripture is God-breathing. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I've got everything I need in order to be effective as a father at this point in my life, as a brother or sister in Christ, as a husband, and as a senior pastor at a church in Aurora. I got everything, and it's based on me understanding in the Word and growing in more knowledge and revelation in the Word of God. So we got to focus on God and obeying His commands so that we can receive the, the victor's crowns. This is the French uh, World Cup soccer a team from a couple years back yet. And so God has set us up to win. But how we lose is uh, we go about our lives without his word. We think we can be successful somehow without his word, and we immediately disqualify ourselves. We're outside of the game. Or we think that we can personally understand spiritual things, but then we don't go out and share it, and we disqualify ourselves. You see that? You can know and absorb and not share and be disqualified. You can... Uh, you can uh, tr uh, know and then not live it out and be disqualified. But the game is to both know and grow in knowledge and to serve faithfully. That is the game that we are in. And we're set up to win. He's given us everything that you need to win. You don't need anything more than a growing knowledge to be successful in what God has called you to do. Last point, focus on God and his reward. 2 Timothy 2, 6 and 7. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. And so uh, a rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and the apostles, and he says to them, Lord, what must I do to enter e into eternal life? And he tells them, you know the, the word, keep the word. And he said, I've kept the word my whole life. And Jesus looked at him lovingly and said, one thing you, you lack Take all your stuff, cash it in, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And he couldn't give up his stuff. What are the things that you're holding on to that is preventing you from doing what God would have you to do at this time in your life? What expectations, what things are you waiting on? If God would just give you what you want, then you'll be able to, what is your thing that you gotta cash in? in order to, to do more and more work for God. And so Peter says to him, Lord, listen, we saw that guy. Lord, we left everything. I left my fishing business. My wife is back over here. I'm with you out here on the boat. Come on. What, what, why am I doing this, he's saying. Why am I doing this? And she says, truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the of kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the world to come. That is to say, um, God is going to abundantly bless you. It's been my personal experience. God has given me the wife of my dreams. Uh, 
My parents got divorced when I was young, and my dream was to be there for my family the whole route. He's given me the ability ability to do that through the gospel. He's given me a perfect paradigm and example in Christ and his kingdom to be able to stick with my family through thick and thin like he stuck with me. And there's a, there's a joy, not, I have a joy, not that everything has turned out the way I had hoped it would, would, but that God's plans are better than my plans. I've seen that. That God's plans are better than my plans, and so I can rejoice in that. And so God wants us to say, he wants to hear us say, uh, we want to hear him say, well done, but of course we need to do some things well. And I just want to leave you with a couple of questions about doing something well for you to consider. One of the questions I want you to ask yourselves is this, is um, would your best friend say, would your very best friend say that you have been productive in Christ Jesus? What, what would they, if you ask them to say, in what ways do you think, do you see the fruit of the kingdom of God in my life? What would they say? What would your friends tell you? Not the ones that, you know, they say they love you, but they're not enough to tell you the truth but the ones who will actually tell you the truth. What will they say to you about that? Uh, Other questions. Wait a minute, where am I at? Here we go. Outside of my immediate family, who am I being of service to right now? Outside of my immediate family. One of the challenges I have found about American wealth and success is that it requires so much of you that you get consumed into your business and your job and your children, and you leave aside your neighbors, man, even your family that lives in other states, your friends, you don't think about what Christ would have for you in terms of open doors for his gospel in your community. You don't think about those things. And so I I would say to you, if the only people being blessed by your life right now are your, your immediate family and a few close friends that God might have something more for you to do in his kingdom. What are your top priorities? Really. Look at your schedule. Look at the folks that you're hanging out. Look at the, your dreams. What are your top priorities? Is Jesus your top priority? Are outside of Jesus, are, are you prioritizing the right friends and family and church life? What are your priorities? Reprioritize them. One of the cool things about uh, leaving, uh, seven years ago, um, I knew about eight months before that I was leaving American family to come to High Point. And I remember walking through the halls and praying a blessing on the people that were there, the folks who I had worked with for years, some of these folks I worked with for over 20 years. And I remember saying to myself, what a blessing it was for me to have been there. In fact, as I was nearing the end, I realized even more and more what a blessing it was to have been there. And I have a similar situation here now that I've got two or three months between being hired and um, it's been a tremendous blessing for me to be at High Point since 2006 when we got here. And that's why we stayed. 
It wasn't a blessing that everything was easy. Come on with me. You can ask Greg Walters about that. It wasn't a blessing that, that it's been easy for them. I came on sort of the second wave of difficulties is when I got here. Uh, but I have some, some lifelong friendships that I've been developing. And people have prayed me through uh, mental illness. I'll never forget that. I'm feeling great right now, and it's largely due to your prayers and your encouragement. I'm doing phenomenal right now. In fact, it could be that God took me that to prepare me for what's up next. Uh, so it's a joy. It's a joy for me to have been a pastor here and for you to have been ministering to me. It's been a great joy that I, I don't take lightly. Last thing I want to leave you with is this. How can you pray for us when we go? Um, when I um, first got called to River Valley, I talked to Nick in the week leading up to it when they were doing, uh, uh, they were checking into uh, references. And uh, they talked to Nick and several folks who are here today. And I said, hey, Nick, this might be happening and so forth. And, uh, and then after I was hired, I forgot about a bunch of people. I probably didn't call my mom until a month later or something. I forgot about folks. And one of the people I kind of forgot about was uh, Marcus Allen. Now, some of you might remember that um, I applied for Marcus Allen's job. And uh, in God's providence, he hired the right person, Marcus, and not me. Amen. He had a different ministry for me. But we've been friends. That, it, ne it never, I, I've been walking with God long enough to know that when he doesn't give you what you want, it's a good thing. Come on with me. You will learn, if you haven't learned this yet, you will learn it. That even if it's a, it looks like a wonderful thing, if he didn't give it to you, you might not have been ready. It might not be as good as you thought it was. I've learned to trust him. I have learned through fire to let it go. But anyway, I sent Marcus a note letting him know I was gone. He said, Lloyd, he said, I just finished my first book. And my first book is this one, one that's here. It's about uh, ministry transitions, 10 essential things for ministry transitions. And my wife and I were just away for a couple of days, and I absorbed it. Some people will tell you I'm a big reader. I am. I absorbed his book over a couple of days. And these are the things I want you to pray for. Let me be prayerful. What happens when you take over something and you are the lead person now? You want to do it in your own strength. Even pastors that know better don't know better that we need to hear from the Lord and we need to move carefully. So pray for me that I will be praying through the scriptures like I have taught you to do, right? Come on, pray for me for that. Uh, that I would be patient. What happens is when you go to a church, in fact, I've already seen four or five things that I want to fix. Come on with me. <laughs> but all of the experts say you better learn to love the people, be people-focused. So I was glad to, that some people have noted that I have a pastor's heart. I need, that's gonna have to be my lead thing, not my change heart. I can't be mission focused, I need to be people focused, really, especially the first several years. Pray for me for that, because I see stuff and wanna fix stuff, and I need to build relationships, people focused. I need to move on pur purpose. Uh, some of the things I wanna change are just not Bible things. And I could get myself into all kind of trouble changing stuff that is not even gospel-centered. I got to watch that. 
I got to be careful to do change that accomplishes the, the mission of Jesus, right? Loving God and people, evangelize. I gotta, it's got to be mission-focused, not my, whether it fits my idiosyncratic needs or so forth. I need to be positive. I need to be positive about where this church's 15-year history is, where they are right now. I need to be able to see the good things that they are doing right now and talk about the good things they have done and, and yet be encouraged about where we're going. I need to be positive. Come on with me. You do, you do too. Wherever you've been in your life, the ups and downs, the things that you don't like. Man, in counseling, whenever I have a hard problems with counseling, it's because people are always looking back over there, whatever they see, the negatives of their life. If I could get them to see the positives in the past, I might be able to help them change. Come on with me. And it's the same with you and me. It's that we've got to see, yeah, all of us have struggled, been abused in some ways in the past, but there were some, God did some things for you that were beautiful, and you need to recognize them, and you got to leverage that baby, right? You got to turn that thing and, and grow on that. And so we've got to, I need to be positive. And I thanks to Nick again, I need to be progressing in godliness. I'll probably read his book twice more, uh, the one he wrote on holiness. I'll probably read it twice this first year. Because if I'm going to be successful, I've got to grow in godliness. Come on with you too. You need that too. If you're going to succeed in ways that God says is successful, not just stupid numbers, but in holiness and righteousness and patience and peace and joy, you're going to grow. You need to grow in godliness. That is the strength of Pastor Nick's ministry. Did you know that? Pray that it continues to be a strength of his ministry that he and his family grows in godliness, and you grow right along with him. Come on with me. And then I got to stick with it because it's going to be tough. It's a small church. Um, there's some things that I think I know that I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out lately. I'm going to be like, why did Nick used to be like that? Now I know why Nick used to do that. <laughs> now I got to sit in his shoes, and now I see why he made that decision, right? So I'm going to have to hang in there when things look bad. Uh, thank you for being a blessing to Debbie and I, Jason and Jared. Um, I love you guys. I'm going to miss you tremendously. Team, why don't you come on up while I finish the prayer, and we'll get ready for that. Lord, I want to thank you for High Point Church. I want to thank you for uh, the ushers like uh, Harold and Dick who uh, all the years uh, when I've come into this church, they've greeted me and prayed for me. Uh, my small group that I've been with for years now, and who've prayed me through all kinds of uh, difficult times and who I've prayed through some difficult times too. Lord, you've given me mothers like, just like you said, just like you promised your apostles. You've given me mothers and fathers. You've given me brothers and sisters. You've given me pastors. You've given me little brothers and little sisters. You've given me friends who love me. And Lord, I'm closer to the people here than I am to my own brothers and sisters. You promised that. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. I want to give you all the glory and praise. Lord, I want to ask you to remind the people here years from now to pray for me. 
because I need, I need their prayers. I need their friendship. And I'm going to pray for them. They need my prayers. They need my friendship. That's the gospel that we have received from you. We are one family in Christ. Jew and Gentile brought together in Jesus. What a marvelous plan. It's marvelous in our eyes, Lord. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.